Happy Friday, and thanks for spending the week with us here at the Rocketeer Minute, where each and every day, Monday through Friday, we go over one minute of the greatest adventure movie that Walt Disney's ever made, the 1991 Joe Johnston-directed feature, The Rocketeer. I'm one of your hosts, Jim O'Kane of TVDads.com. And I'm Hal Bryan, an airplane nerd from the Experimental Aircraft Association here in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. And speaking of the Experimental Aircraft Association, Jim, I brought along a co-worker tonight, or to this morning, or whatever time of day it is. Uh, it's my pleasure to uh, to bring a guest uh, on board who's uh, who's guested with you on the airport minute in the past. This Indeed. is uh, Chris Henry, our museum's programs representative. Chris, thanks so much for coming on. Well, thanks, guys. I appreciate coming on. This is, uh, as always, an honor and uh, excited to talk about one of my favorite movies. Well, and Chris, you have I, I always I always appreciate Hal's job, but you have one of the coolest jobs uh, at the EAA. <laughs> you get to bring in new cool hot stuff from old airplanes and spaceships uh, in in that case uh, <laughs> i am very jealous those are yes absolutely those are the those are the high days but uh you know some days it's like well just i just sat here the entire day and did paperwork so yeah it's a little bit of everything but, but you know uh, those, we, all we call together. those chris's cry in the office days but, <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> exactly like if you see chris it's a bad one he's really you know yeah. a lot of paperwork <laughs> just don't even knock just leave the door closed but, you know, we couldn't do it. I mean, we're all a team. So, I mean, we, it, it's fun to work closely with Hal and, and everybody. I mean, we all, you know, we're all part of the same mission here, and it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, well, speaking of missions, you've got some some pretty cool missions this year. Um, I know that you have a, an Apollo 50th anniversary uh, exhibit going on. Could you describe what's, what's going on in Oshkosh? Well, sure, absolutely. Uh, we just opened the exhibit last weekend. It's our Apollo uh, celebration uh, exhibit. Uh, in it, we have uh, actual artifacts, photos uh, from NASA that had, they have loaned us. Uh, these are not reproductions. They're, they're originals. Um, we have a spacesuit from Apollo 8. We have Jim Lovell's headset from the Apollo 8 mission and items like that, uh, you know, a boot and things like that. Uh, also storyboards to sort of tell you about what the Apollo program was. But the important thing is when you're here seeing it, you know, this stuff isn't replicas. You're looking at actual vintage Apollo hardware that this is the stuff we use to go to the moon. And uh, it, it's pretty impressive. And, of course, that all leads to this summer. Of course, uh, we're having the big air show here in July, uh, 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 2017 Air Venture. Um, but, uh, you know, we're going to have uh, 10 of the Apollo veterans here with us. And uh, wow. that's a pretty uh, pretty high honor to get them all back together again. You know, these guys were uh, these guys are heroes. I mean, it's really, really something special. It's yeah, it's it's incredible. I mean, it, it just the, you think about all the di the combined travel distance that they've all have is well well into the millions, <laughs> and just uh, staggering. And, and having having them there live in Wisconsin, it's uh, wow. <laughs> I think the one thing that really um, you know put it in perspective for me is we interviewed uh, Frank Borman from Apollo Eight, and Frank, you know, we talk about how cool these guys are. This is the you know, with the World War II veterans, these guys are just heroic. I mean, the World War II vets are just amazing. When we talk about the Apollo guys, they're equally as heroic, but they're also like this weird level of Arthur Fonzarelli cool. <laughs> and, you know, I'm talking to Frank Borman, first time on top of a Saturn V. You know, Apollo 8 was the first one to actually use the full stack of the Saturn V. And, you know, I asked him, like, you know, you're laying there on your back ready for liftoff, seven and a half million pounds of, of thrust about ready to, to lift off. Uh, and literally take you to another world, first time to leave Earth orbit. You know, what, do you, what are you thinking about? 
And he's like, I was looking out the window at a seagull and just wondered if we were surprising him when we lit the, lit the engine off. I'm like, <laughs> really? That's, you know, he's like, yeah, that's, that's what I was thinking about. Just wonder what happened to that seagull and we lit that engine. <laughs> so, wow. Oh. Now that that is calm under pressure. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> oh boy! Wow. Well, uh, we're going to go back a little bit further in time than the, than the uh, the moon the moon missions, and we're going to go back to uh, 1938. So a 30 year uh, rollback, and we're back with uh, with Cliff here uh, pulling up at that beautiful uh, arts and crafts home in uh, in L A. Uh, here on the very last day of its existence, right. and. Uh, uh, as we were talking about yesterday, uh, Cl- uh, Cliff is pulling up on a on a Harley Davidson, uh, the civilian model of a of a ra- racing motorcycle. Yep, nineteen twenty nine uh, JDH twin cam. Says Hal like he knows what he's talking yeah. about. <laughs> like wow, <laughs> he's, he's, just rattling that off. Let me tell you about his shoes he's wearing. <laughs> <laughs> Long before Nike, yeah, uh, yes. and then uh, once again, uh, at you know, deep deep inside the uh, the bungalow of of PV and 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 Secord, uh, uh, PV has pulled out his ball peen hammer and is marching around looking for some. Uh, he has to plan ahead of what he's going to do. First, first his idea is home defense, and the second thing is, is what about this X three I have? And uh, right, that's such a perfectly uh, you know. Suggested shot a little bit of sort of visual exposition there where we follow his sight line right down to the to the X three like what are we going to do where are we going to hide it and this is the, I have to this is the first major flaw uh, continuity flaw that I've seen in the movie if you go to second four okay second four second four yeah. the uh, the gum is in the wrong place. It's in the wrong place. Look it's in that. the, yeah, it's in the, uh, I mean, that's a little lock, but I don't think that was where it's spotted. That's where the bullet hole goes. So at this point, and, and again, we record out of sequence. Sometimes it's tricky. Has it, has it been hit by the ricochet and sprung the leak yet? No, remember. No, they, it they hasn't, have, right. They have that, to still go to the bulldog. They still have to go to the bulldog. So that's where it picks up the bullet. Yeah. So, but, uh. But that's not where PV stuck it for good luck no, when P- Cliff PV, launched off after Malcolm. PV, no, yeah, P- yeah, PV pulled it out of his mouth inside the hangar and said, right. "A little luck." Yes, and then, he and then stuck it. it. But it's that's in the spot where the bullet hole is. Yeah. So that's that's the first major flaw that I've seen. Major flaw. Major flaw. <laughs> yes, the yeah. gum's in the wrong spot. I don't know. I don't know if I can continue. I'm going to need some time. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of done. This is you know, earlier yeah. this week we were talking about the uh, the wrong kind of shovel for the groundbreaking yeah. hanging on the wall. Yeah, I, I, it's um, just it's all falling apart. Yeah. You know? Remember that time we that Billy spotted that truck, that yeah. modern truck. Uh, yeah. And that yeah. blinker you miss it scene. Gosh, it's just. It's, uh, it's just getting worse and worse. That's I, all I I've, can say. I've loved this movie for half my life, and now it's just collapsing like a house house of cards. <laughs> what do you do? Oh gosh. Oh well. But uh, what does uh, Cliff have in his hands when he's climbing up the stairs? That's a good question. It looks in a couple of shots. It looks like uh, notebooks or pads of like legal pads, and then he drops them. Yeah. Too. It's like he's he's carrying these in, but then he hears some commotion, and he just just lets them go. We're gonna have to ask is Billy, it, Billy is about that. that his, if he it, that. I was thinking at first maybe it's some of the newspapers he's picked up. Oh, that could be. Although there's a. But it's like a, there's a black line around the outside of it. Yeah, but you know, if that were a newspaper, you know, if you look right at second seven, if you imagine a couple, two copies of the same newspaper, folded in half and then folded in half the other way, with the word extra, maybe where the black corner is. Well, I'm thinking actually that that's uh, that's the fold. 
So the newspaper is upside down and that that would be a photo. Okay, so maybe he bought one copy for him and one copy for PB to put in their put in their scrapbook. Right, or, or maybe yeah, just two like, co- two copies for him. It looks like newspaper. I agree. It, it, I think he yeah. has two newspapers. And when you yeah, when you scrub back, when you can see it between the the planter and the uh, the the brick detail, yeah, it, it starts to look like that's maybe maybe just what it is. Like he's coming home with the newspapers, but he's here. He hears a commotion. Yeah, and then of course then we cut to uh, to PV letting loose with that hammer. And I did notice that the the big hunk of fence is already missing for the cars to pull up, and maybe that you know they didn't want to knock down the whole fence. Right. It just I don't know. It, it, everything else seems neat as a pin, so I was wondering. I don't think somebody like Peavy would would have anything out of place like that. You sure wouldn't think so. But remember, he shares an apartment with Cliff Secord. That's true. Or a, a home with Cliff Secord. So. Yeah, Cliff is like the um, the Oscar Madison of the two. I think. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And PB's the talented Felix Unger. Yeah. That's, I lived that life. I understand it. I was going to say, <laughs> and I know exactly who you're talking about. Uh, <laughs> yes, you do. So. <laughs> uh, okay, easy with the inside baseball. I know. Don't sorry. Uh, yeah, sorry. Anybody mad at us? <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, we, we join we, <laughs> we join PV already in progress yes. with, the, with his uh, hammer toss. Right. He flings the hammer. And, uh, and he skillfully uh, ducked by uh, by Lothar. He just and and with no change in expression. Right. He just uh, just moves right out of the way, and then the hammer, you know, knocks out the glass in that uh, in that cabinet back there. Yeah, or at uh, least that's what the sound effect indicates. <laughs> that's a good point. Do we actually see? We don't see. We, we see kind of full shine. Yeah, it, we but... we see its reflection in the uh, in the glass, or we see Tiny Ron's reflection, but. Uh, but yeah. that's a, that's now, another he, great example. We hear the sound effects. So we know the glass broke, even though when you yeah. stare at it, it, it maybe didn't. Yeah. Uh, now, is he picking up a Collier trophy there to throw so, at? I was just wondering about some of these. Uh, yeah. These little so I was looking at that, trophies. and actually, right up there at second to fifteen to sixteen. First of all, um, I love the absolutely gigantic shadow of Tiny Rod's head and hat on yeah. the blinds. <laughs> His head is as big as PV. And his, yeah. you know, his hat sticking out, but then <laughs> looming. Yes, yeah. but yeah, then PV is reaching for the shelf there, and he's grabbing a trophy. Now, the um, at this point in their in their careers, uh, you know, we've talked about the national air races. We've talked a little about sort of the Bendix race and the Thompson Thompson Trophy and things like this. Uh, the Bendix race was if it was just revisiting a little bit of the history. The Bendix race was the race. From Los Angeles to Cleveland, it was basically the race to get to the race. So, and interestingly, in '38, uh, in early September, so you know, six weeks or so before the film is taking place, the uh, Bendix race was won, uh, and we have talked about this before, but to, to revisit it, Bendix race was won by a woman named Jackie Cochran, um, and there was no, she didn't win the women's division or anything. She just flat out won the race in a Seversky. Uh, uh, Sev 2 is basically the racing version of the P-35. So pretty remarkable. But that's not what uh, Cliff would be going for in the GB. He would be going for the closed circuit pylon race once you get to Cleveland, and that would be the Thompson Trophy. When you, For anyone listening, when you have a moment, Google both Bendix Trophy and Thompson Trophy. These are the most two of the most beautiful examples of sort of Art Deco sculpture you can imagine. The uh, Thompson Trophy that, uh, that Cliff would be going for in the pylon races has the figure of Icarus sort of with his back up against a pillow, a pillow, excuse me, a pillar, and some stylized clouds and things like that. And it's just this wonderful sculpture of the, the winged figure, but it's it it's sort of a, a single item in that the, the wings and things sort of blend into the pillar in the back. 
the Bendix Trophy to me is even more beautiful. It's a, it's a globe with these wonderful uh, flying Art Deco figures on either side. It's heroic, sort of almost proto-Superman poses. Uh, then with there's a uh, model of an airplane sort of mounted on it, sort of jutting out ahead of them as they, as they fly on both sides of the globe. If I'm not mistaken, they are on display at the National Air and Space Museum uh, down on the mall in D.C., aren't yes, they? Yes, they are. And, uh, and in fact, and there, were, there were, of course, smaller versions that would be awarded to the individual winners. And, Chris, I know we've got, uh, we've got smaller, um, they'd be reproductions, but they'd be period reproductions, like presumably awarded to somebody, uh, yes. at least of the Thompson Trophy. And they're on the green marble. They're sort of like bookends. I know we've got those on display in our museum. Yeah. It's just beautiful artwork. Oh, absolutely. And so we're... I mean, the trophies are just gorgeous. I mean, I, I, I really think we could sell replicas of the trophies in the gift shop and people would buy them. I mean, they're... I'd they're, buy one every day. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, they are beautiful. Put one in every room beautiful. in the house and then, you know, have to buy a new house. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> they are. They're gorgeous. And yeah, yeah. we do have... Uh, we have ones that are awarded... Uh, I can't remember who it was awarded to, but uh, but we do have examples that were awarded here in the museum. Right. Now, the trophy that, that uh, PV picks up and then wings at uh, Lothar, just, uh, it just sort of bounces off his face and he rubs his nose for a moment um, as, it, as it breaks. The, the closest analog I've come to that is that's, there's not a lot of detail around the base. There's clearly a racing pylon with an airplane on top. There was a trophy given out in Miami uh, that was uh, called the Glenn H. Curtis uh, Perpetual Trophy. And that was for a closed-circuit air race down there. Um, the first one was a more traditional trophy cup, but the Glenn H. Curtis second perpetual trophy looks a lot like this. The airplane is mounted at a slightly different angle. There's a little bit more detail on the base, and there's some uh, there's some eagles at the corners of the pylon. My best uh, semi-educated guess is that they use that as a as a simple as a model as sort of the basis for this, because everything else pretty much lines up. But of course, this is a you know this is a breakaway prop uh, kind of thing that uh, that Ryan Johnson, our our guest, might have made. Yeah, that's true. It's probably made out of foam rubber and feels like getting hit with a marshmallow. Exactly. So, uh, and we've all been there, right? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Every <laughs> time day. and again. Yeah. So you know, one thing right after this is we transition. It's I, it's always nice to see. So you know, here's here's Billy S. Cliff. He's trying to sort of throw his weight in and kick the and break the door down, and then of course. Uh, you know, Lothar opens it at just the wrong moment and he just flies in and lands on his face. But it's uh, it's one thing that's always always makes me laugh, always bugs me in movies, that a locked door, especially with a deadbolt, pretty much one or two good swift kicks and you're just straight in. And yep. in my law enforcement days, I have kicked in a couple of doors in my life and it is not that easy by any stretch of the imagination. And it's uh, it, it takes an embarrassingly long, a long amount of time. And so that's, you know, that's why now you see SWAT teams carrying the big battering rams and things like this. But if you just try to do it with your, your shoulder, um, unless it's a flimsy closet door, you're, you're not really going to get through for quite a while. That is Alan Arkin throwing his arms around Tiny Rum, isn't it? I, I've been scru- scrubbing back and forth trying to figure out any yeah. stunt work here. You know, I would, it does look I like really Alan. would have assumed it was, uh, it was a stunt person. But we see his stunt double in a few other scenes here and there. And in fact, maybe even in the same minute following this one. And the hair, when you go frame by frame, it's the hair that really stands out. It's a pretty heavy gray wig the stunt double is wearing. And when you yeah. scrub this super carefully in that second 27 and you see his face over the, over uh, Tiny Ron's shoulder, I uh, I bet anything that that's actually uh, Alan Arkin. Yeah, well, hope, hopefully someday we'll have him on and we can that's ask right. him. That's right, we directly. can ask him. And then 
we can live one of our dreams, Jim, and we can get them to call us chowderheads. Yes. And, <laughs> and ask us if our eyes are painted on. Yes, or, or call you Harold. That's okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Clifford, Harold. Oh, um, awesome. So anyway, we watched the la- the very last second of the uh, 1635 Palm Terrace mailbox here. As uh, what kind of Chevy is that? How do you know? Let's see that? that one that comes uh, that comes sort of racing in or bust through the uh, bust through the mailbox. Going back to the notes here, that is a 1937 uh, Chevy Master Deluxe Business Coupe. So. <laughs> When you bought a car that uh, you know that matched your job title, basically, says, yeah. <laughs> "Well, I need a I need a two door, and I'm using it for business." Ah, here we go. Yeah, and it's uh, it's a heck with Hoover. Apparently, <laughs> let's smash into something yeah, else. Exactly. He's lucky he didn't make it a little bit further to the right because it looked like he would have hit that uh, that palm tree. Right, which <laughs> would not have been nearly as uh, as forgiving as the uh, as the yeah. mailbox. And then you know you scrub ahead right after that when uh, Tiny Ron is twirling around with PV on his back. Yeah. This is where I'm pretty sure we're looking at the stunt double. I think you see. I think yeah, you see the wig he, looking a little. He, Thicker and he looks and a lot. Le- he looks a lot leaner in this. Right, uh, the, and it's it's more obvious when you see him hit the chair and go backwards. Uh, yeah, know. I think that's the sa- that's the same guy that uh, got blown away by the the first uh, thrust control of the of the rocket chair right. in the in the hangar. So he's very good at flipping uh, head over heels. Now let me make sure I'm just quickly. I'm looking at the right car because there's a car that hits the mailbox. It is the same car that hits the fence, isn't it? Or am I misidentifying that one? No, that I think that's a different car. There's two that pull up. If you look, the headlights are in a different spot. Right. So that is a different that is a different car. I'm not sure what the. Uh... I think the one behind the guy drawing his gun is a Ford. Yeah, there is. A, yeah, there's a Ford. Uh, there's a Ford V8, a five, a del- another deluxe, a five window coupe. Yeah. Or coupe, if uh, uh, if you prefer, <laughs> that's that sort of uh, sort of beige, almost pinkish beige one. Okay, yeah, yeah, you can see that you can almost see the V eight, the Ford V eight yeah. badge on it. And then, geez, is that a Dodge behind them? I think. Yeah, there is a. Uh... I'm looking right, park right to the left, just to the left of the V eight in that shot where he's kind of drawing up a gun or something. Right. I, I think that might be a Dodge. I think you're right. I think there's a. I think it's one of the Dodge touring sedans that we see. Similar to so, the one that uh, Lenny had, wasn't that? A... Yeah, that ended up stuck between the trees. Yeah. yeah. Or that, that was the FBI. The oh, FBI, FBI had, had that had one. A, yeah. It's really important. <laughs> the, you know, yeah. it's just, it's really important. It really is. It's it's just, it's critical here. <laughs> it is critical. Um, it, you know, and I don't know anything about that particular uh, Chesterfield that was flipped over as uh, as PV went went backwards i know my uh, my grandmother had a similar one i can remember denting my head on those wooden <laughs> arm pieces <laughs> very uncomfortable very uncomfortable chair to uh to be a little kid around but a be- you know a beautiful view of that fireplace before the whole place gets torn up yeah um, no kidding as we, as we talked about yesterday that that idea the hearth the uh the frank lloyd wright's usonian idea of having that central spine of the house i, I just love the it, it's a standard craftsman idea that you have a you have a hearth, and then on either side you'd have built-in bookcases, and above that the the square windows, right. giving kind of a face to the house. But uh, just gorgeous stuff. And I okay, oh. I've scrubbed back and forth a little bit. Just want to put this to bed. The one that hits the mailbox is a Ford V8. That's a thirty-eight Ford V8 Deluxe. And then the one that uh, so the one that does the fence is the Chevy, the Master Deluxe Business Coupe. 
Got so it. now okay. let the record reflect that we now uh, we yeah. now know for sure which car is which. <laughs> we have the right we cars in the right order. Yes. Yeah. We, can, we can move on. And, Our uh, long national nightmare is over. <laughs> yeah. I'll call the Smithsonian so right away. <laughs> we've, uh, we've got back from uh, Fitch and Woolley getting away from... <laughs> Getting away from the bisected Bigelow, right? Uh, which kind of—I mean—did they just leave him there? Because it seems like they got to get back. You know, sixteen thirty-five Palm Terrace. I guess they got to get over here in a hurry. Right. Well, you know, nothing—nothing uh, nothing against the uh, the FBI, but in my experience as a um, you know as a small town sort of city cop, very occasionally working with the feds, I think that's that's exactly what they would do. <laughs> They've got to go do you know they got to do the real law enforcement and the rest of us. You know, you stay here and the, secure yeah. the scene. Yeah. So yeah, wait for the coroner to show up. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, you know, and speaking of uh, of Mister the the late uh, Otis Bigelow, uh, John Polito, I didn't realize until just this evening the TV was on and a Seinfeld rerun was playing that he is the uh, the super or the the landlord in uh, Jerry and Kramer's apartment building. I did not. He's, wow. uh, he's Silvio, and he's got this really thick accent and. Uh, as my wife will point out, the world's most epic comb-over. Um, and I always just assumed that the actor had the accent, but uh, but it's absolutely not. It was, uh, there's Otis Bigelow doing, uh, doing an accent on Seinfeld. So the more you know. And I'm going to have to go back and look a couple of minutes back, because I could swear that uh, uh, Fitch wasn't wearing a vest when he was talking. Well, we'll have to, I'll have to figure this out later. Yeah, when he was Maybe. talking to... Uh, when he's talking to Howard Hughes. Hughes, I didn't think he had a vest on, but I'll have to, I'll have to review that. Yeah, we'll have to. Um, they haven't changed ties, but there's, right. you know, it just. It just seemed like we did see more of uh, more of Fitch's tie. That's a good. Yeah, because I remember we were we were remarking on the height of his tie clip. So, so it's kind of a. Right. Gonna have, I will. Well, well, you guys keep talking. I'm going to go look at that. <laughs> exactly. You go look at that. <laughs> so Chris, we'll have to amuse ourselves uh, now. Um, yeah. One last car, a bit of car business. Right at second fifty-seven, um, there's that up-close shot of uh, of the car with one car with headlights coming on. That is a thirty-six Chevy, and then uh, then of course right after that, the minute wrap or just as the minute is wrapping up, right at second fifty-eight, then you see all the other lights come on. It's a I, it's a neat effect as we light up the house, and then you know we know what's going to happen next. I can I feel totally vindicated. I went back, <laughs> went back and looked. Yes, and Wooly has his uh, vest on, but Fitch does not. He's uh, Ah, interesting. He is without, and uh, when he's getting yelled at by Howard Hughes, he is not wearing a vest. So that could I, be what set Hughes off. Yeah, it's like you come into you know, my. It, it actually could have been. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. That's could be, could be very plausible. Who do you think you are coming to my office with a two-piece suit? <laughs> well, the, the thing I love about the cars at this time frame is it's like pretty much you're either. Like, just looking at these cars, it was like, well, you're either a police officer, you're running moonshine, or you're a gangster. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like, that, that's it. That's the only thing you could be if you have car, had a car in the late 1930s. Yeah, yeah. yeah those are the only choices. Engineers have pickup trucks. That's all there is to it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and the same, which we don't see these in this minute, but the same with the uh, the Thompson, uh, you know, the 45 caliber submachine guns, too. You're either oh, yeah. you're either a, a fed or a gangster. Yeah. Well, this was after the, <laughs> so, when was the uh, the Firearms Act? Firearms Act was passed in 34. So Yeah, I that sounds right. They were still so. having a hard time getting machine guns back. Well, I guess if you already owned one, was, you know, getting them to turn it back in would be a little Right. Crazy. You can be sort of grandfathered in. But in this scene, all we see are, as far as I know, every every handgun we spot, without getting too crazy detailed, that's the, uh, uh, the Colt um, 
it's not the police special. It's the Colt official police was, was the name of that. It's a, uh, I think a four inch uh, 38. Ah, well, uh, we do get to watch, uh, we get to watch Billy get his head pushed through the uh, <laughs> through the ceiling here. Yes, and, that's uh, true. Billy, Billy's going to be on Monday. I think we can drop that drop that little note here that uh, Billy's going to be on Monday, and we'll talk a little bit more about the, the this particular fight scene and getting ready to be uh, have, having his house ventilated. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, it really, is not much of a fight. No, <laughs> you know, <it's... laughs> no offense, but, Billy. We love you, but. Uh... Yeah, a little bit outmatched by uh, by Mr. Frankenstein yeah. over here. <laughs> um, it's great. It, it's great. Even that in bl- in Blu-ray, the uh, the makeup still holds up. It's very hard to tell that. You know, I mean, obviously it is makeup, but it's very realistic considering the close-up. That really does, and the, not only the close-up, but uh, you know, at second fifty-nine when he's lit so starkly. Yeah. Too. Yeah. You know, it's close-up. the The lighting is really intense. The contrast is really high. And you would expect right then and there, or that's when you're going to see the seams. And you know, kudos as always to Rick Baker. You just don't, you just don't see it. The only reason you think it's makeup is because most people don't really look like that. Wow. <laughs> Yo, know, Chris, we pulled you in at a random minute, but I was wondering, do you have a favorite minute to the show? Is there is there a particular part of this movie that you enjoy the most? Hmm. I, you know, there is one. Um, and it's probably everybody's, well, it's probably just about everybody's favorite, but I, I love when um, Howard Hughes uh, gives him the airplane, not to give too much away, but at the end, um, you know, when he's given the GB and the whole conversation of, you know, what was it like? And I, I, I love that. I just love that part. I love the soundtrack. I love that part where, you know, he's like, I didn't get to thank him. And he, well, you know, yeah. I, uh, he saw a look. I don't know. I don't want to give too much away. No, no, I, that, I understand. That, yeah. that is definitely one Get, of my favorites. Getting airplanes. And, uh... Well, you just, I, I, I was I was following your news on Facebook that uh, that you do have a new airplane that's arrived uh, at the museum. Uh, yes. Do you like to talk a yeah. little bit about that? I mean, you must have had that face, you must have had that face today, I would think. From uh... Yeah, exactly. We kind of, It was actually a really emotional day. Uh, you know, we went to get this uh, airplane. It was the uh, old Ironsides, which was the first uh, home-built airplane built from composite material. And uh, really, really neat uh, family. The, the gentleman who built it uh, passed away uh, a couple years ago. And one of his things was he would hope that the museum would eventually get it and uh, worked with the family. And, I mean, it's, it's, it's an important staple in experimental aviation for, the, for that. And uh, uh, we went down and got it today. And, yeah, I mean, it was lots of emotions of seeing the airplane pulled out of its hangar one more time and, and brought here to the museum. And, um, you know, it's... Yeah, it, these these are more than just machines. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of emotion. There's a lot of stories. There's a lot of you know human factors that go into these aircraft, and um, that, that's kind of what I love. I love that part of it. You can ask Hal. That's kind of where I geek out the most is uh, that aspect of it. You, you, <laughs> so you get the the personality of the of the people that built them. I, I would think that you know being a, the EA is so wrapped around the the idea of home built. These are craft craft built. Uh, aircraft and every every one of them i think the people that make them leave a little bit of themselves in them oh absolutely absolutely and and, you know and there's a community involved you know we came down to get that airplane um it was on an airport and everybody you know uh, that were that was friends with this gentleman came out and just wanted to be there one more time while the airplane was pushed out and um you know and, and and loaded into the truck to bring up here so um yeah it's it I love that. I love that part. That uh, it's it's the 
the people and the stories behind the aircraft that make the aircraft that much more special. Yeah. I, I think you get a little bit of that in, in this movie. I mean, not, not in this particular minute, but a couple of minutes before when we saw PV sitting down with, you know, a pencil and paper and, and, and rulers and stuff like that and trying to figure out how to make the X3 a little bit better. I keep picturing the, the folks that, that put together uh, uh, airplanes uh, by, you know, by themselves and they, they share the little, the little adventures of how they're building different parts and, and asking advice and, and uh, and getting a lot of contributions back to them about how how to you know they kind of collaborate on on making these things. I think that that's that's the neat part of this that that inventiveness and the uh, you know the, the ability to see what you've created when it's done and having it you know take to the air. That must be just an amazing feeling. Oh, well, abs- absolutely, and I, and I think that uh, you know I like to think I, I'm I'm I am <laughs> guessing here, but I would love to think that Howard Hughes was an airplane nerd. <laughs> You know, as well that he oh, would, sure. you know, would love to see what's going on now, and you know, and I know he's, you know, history has painted him as as it has, you know, in certain areas. But you know, at the at the root of it all, though, he was uh, he was an airplane nerd like all of us. I mean, this is um, it's something I, I'd love to think that he would have actually done something like this, given the um, you know, given the circumstances. Yeah. You know, I, I well, and when he got into when he got into he's got into filmmaking, you know, making a movie like Hell's Angels. Um, that's that's nothing but a you know a a love letter of sorts to the heroes of World War One, and you know it was the still to this day one of the biggest aviation movies of all time, and you you can't you can't embark on something like that uh, without having you know some deep love for the subject matter, and then of course doing so much of his own test flying and setting speed records, you know here in the time frame of the movie just. Uh, just several months prior, he'd set, uh, he'd flown uh, uh, Lockheed Electra and set speed records in that. Of course, uh, he was the H one racer, H1, yeah. all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, if, if you look oh, at the the H one, is like it's like a work of art. You know, you, you look at it and it's just oh, yeah. seamless, and it's so yeah. it look it looks like it should be on top of a trophy. That's how that's how smooth yeah. the thing looks. <laughs> yes, exactly, and it's it always looks like twenty like it's twenty years from now. It always yeah. looks ahead of its time. Yeah, the, the the real one is in the Air and Space Museum in DC, and yeah. you know I'm, I'm sure how I'm sure you've been there too, and I I think I spent like an easy twenty minutes just <laughs> looking at it and photographing it from like every angle. Yeah, yeah <laughs> just, I, I think we've all done. That. <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah, just following those lines, yeah. those gentle curves, and everything else. It's just absolutely amazing. Yeah, and you know, Jim, you're talking about PV and and his, you know, that great scene when working on the plans and thinking out loud and he's sketching and everything else. I uh, I choose to assume that uh, 15 years after this movie took place, that uh, uh, that PV was one of the first 30 EAA members in 1953. Sure, that's, that's uh, cool. Yeah. That's uh, that's what my uh, my fanfic sequel is going to be about: is PV going to a meeting in 15 years? Yeah, so so that's uh, awesome. yeah, you just see a little old man at the you know at the end of the runway in Rockford, Illinois, going hmm. exactly, yeah, <laughs> making notes and yes. having suggestions. <laughs> he would have uh, he would have fit right in. That's uh, that's. Our organization's DNA, right there. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Well, you know, I, so, we we talk a lot about the EA here, and just want to make sure that people know that anybody can join. You don't have to be a pilot. You don't have to make airplanes in your basement. You don't ha- you don't have to do any of that. If you just enjoy the idea of flight, you just go to eaa.org, and there's a whole world of things you can you can meet up with other people of of different you know of different talents of but of equal um, equal excitement over the the joy of flight. And uh, so, you know, check out EAA.org. It's, it's right out there. They give you a lot of ideas on, on how to meet up with, with folks like you guys. <laughs> 
Yeah, it well, was it was originally going to be called Paul's Wayward Home for Aviation Nerds, and then uh, <laughs> you know they're like, oh no no, experimental aircraft. Yeah, so yeah, yeah that's something a little bit more yeah. official. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So can I can I just can I just say by the way that if we go to second fifty four. That I would totally buy that lamp if they ever make that yes. lamp. Yes, yes, absolutely. That is, with the that's X3 actually what's frozen on my screen right now, and I'm like, I want that, that lamp. That's that's <laughs> even better than the Christmas story lamp, I think. You know? Oh <laughs> I yeah, think. yes. It's much less fragile. Yes, exactly. Uh, number one, and much you know, much more practical. It's a major award, obviously. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> You know that's that's hilarious because I'm uh, I'm in quiet talks with a friend of the show Jamie Hicks about maybe acquiring one of the uh, X3s that he's building right now, and uh, I'm going to have to go buy a lampshade, aren't I? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, exactly. or at least, or at least get, get your macrame partial out. display. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I get yeah. my macrame out. Yeah. <laughs> Just like I made my mom a keychain in third grade. I'm sure I can whip up a lampshade yeah. in no time. That's a lot of brown yarn. I'll tell you that. Yes, yes it is. It is. Um, it is. But, uh, yeah, it, it, I would. I would. You know, something. I just realized I have that that end table that it's sitting. <laughs> oh dear! <laughs> I'm gonna have to break this to my wife. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's a. It is a stunning little piece. And, th- you know, the thing is you could have it in your living room just in a corner and not tell anybody. <laughs> just right. the people who really know would know how to. <laughs> exactly. Yes. yes. Yeah. And the people who didn't are not welcome in my home. Exactly. There you, there you <laughs> have it. Just get out. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> I, I do like, as, as we're getting to the last, you know, the very last seconds, I do like that when the you know, when the headlights are the, the, actually uh, Klee lights out, outside of the uh, studio, uh, the lights come on and they both turn at the same time, both with the huh kind of look on their face. Like, right. oh, this isn't good. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, and neither one of them is quite sure what to make of this. Yeah. And... <laughs> uh, They're bo- both in trouble with different parties. Yeah, right, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> But a uh, a great way to end the minute of uh, uh, you know of what's what's going to happen next. And uh, we, you're here. Wow. Well, Chris, thanks so much for for uh, for being being on the show. And uh, absolutely, thank you guys. Uh, it's an honor to be on. I'm 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 not used to being on a podcast where you guys actually have the hero of the show <laughs> on the show. So that's that's different. That's really awesome. Well, so we will tell Billy you said hi, and maybe maybe on a future episode we can have you on for a a, a, a roundtable discussion. I would completely geek okay. out. So, yeah. <laughs> Just be advised. <laughs> As if we don't every single yeah. time. Yeah. And before and after. So. That would be amazing. Yeah. Uh, we'll, 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 we'll work it out somehow, but don't, don't, don't worry about that. But uh, I do hope to get up to... Uh, I do hope to get up to uh, to Oshkosh before the Apollo moves on. Um, it, it sounds like a fascinating exhibit, and uh, I absolutely. And we'll have it. Uh, we'll have it till October. It sounds like. Okay, so, I've, I've got to yeah, get it. On, I will get it on my schedule. That sounds that sounds wonderful. But uh, we'll, awesome, awesome. Well, thank you guys both for having me on. It's uh, it's an honor to do it. I, I really enjoy this, and uh, it's cool to get to be on it. So thank you guys. Okay, well, well, thank you. We'll have you on again. Don't worry. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. Uh, for folks who'd like to join in on our conversation here, we're always available at social media all over the place. And you know the drill. It's uh, Twitter, Rocketeer Minute. It's uh, Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash Rocketeer Minute. The big site, rocketeerminute.com. Find us on iTunes and Google Play. Uh, just type in Rocketeer Minute in the search bar and click subscribe, and you get to hear wonderful stuff like this every single day, Monday through Friday right into your little uh, iPads or what, iPods or whatever you're listening to or Androids or whatever you're listening to this thing on. Uh, please leave us a review uh, if you go to those nice sites and tell everybody how much you like this show because that helps us find more people who, uh, who enjoy the show too. Uh, so join us here uh, next week as we start 4th of July week. And uh, we'll be starting with uh, Billy Campbell. We've got some 
really amazing. I mean, we, we have Chris, who's amazing, but we have some uh, also other amazing guests coming up next week. You really got to don't miss next week. We got some really cool stuff coming up. So uh, join us here on the Rocketeer Minute. Have a great weekend, and uh, we'll see you next time. Until then, over and out. Go get him, kid.